0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: Well, my name is Shenwadi Diemi. Most people know me as Sean, but I prefer Shell, if you can pronounce that. <laughs>
0: What's the best thing that can happen if I transfer wealth to? And then the third question is, how likely is that to occur?
1: Often we look at um, our role as parents as, you know what, I'm just gonna provide for you. All you have to do is focus on school and getting good grades.
0: And most people actually are choosing the government as a steward of their money, but they're doing it unintentionally.
1: It's, it's, it's a tough question for any parent to um, go through, especially when you have or if you have children who, are, um, who don't follow God.
0: And if we understand that God owns it all, then we need to be asking ourselves the question, well, Lord, what would you have me do with what you have given to me? Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. And here's your host, Sheon Adeyemi, President
1: and Senior Financial Planner at SA Capital Advisors. Uh, over the last little while, you've been we've been having a lot of conversations on on giving and um, just biblical stewardship. And for the next couple of episodes, we're going to be talking about um, estate planning and how to pass money into your loved ones without ruining their lives it's part of it is from a book by ron blue with jeremy white splitted Heirs, giving your children your, giving your money and things to your children without ruining their lives i i believe this topic is important because many times we often think of stewardship as just ending with how we use our money in this life but I believe we also need to look at it from a perspective of okay, so how am I leaving this money to my family? How am I going to steward it or give it uh, or pass it on in a way that ultimately still glorifies God? And for this conversation here, we are bringing in a guest, uh, Lorne Robinson. Lorne Robinson is a mentor to me, he's also part of Kingdom Advisors a Christian organization that works with uh, Christian advisors and helping them integrate their faith with their practice. I won't go a lot into it because I I want Lauren to talk about it a bit. But um, Lauren, thanks for joining us today.
0: Thanks for having me on your show.
1: We've been talking about this for a while. You actually gave me this book to read. A few weeks ago, and it's 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 awesome. and I, that's why I wanted you to come and do this uh, because you and I have been having multiple conversations. Uh, I thank God for bringing you into my life by the time he did. and um, it's it's an honor to have you on here.
0: Awesome, yeah, it is exciting to be here, that's for sure. And the topic that you're raising is is certainly a challenging one. And it's, it's one typically, you know, the whole conversation around estate planning is one that we tend to delay and put mm-hmm. off because anything, you know, in the area of death is, it's challenging to talk about it. Let's, let's face it.
1: It's almost like a taboo because you, you feel like if you talk about it, it's going to happen, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Exactly. But the reality is by talking about it, it's actually a good thing. And one of the things that uh, we do at Kingdom Advisors is help Christian financial professionals incorporate biblical principles Mm -hmm. into their client conversations. And, you know, that's obviously a key thing to do because it's easy to approach whatever we do in life without principles. And. Uh, and if we, you know, it's it's important that we be principled, first of all, but we find a place where we can look to principles to guide us. And, of course, that's I mean, that's really what Kingdom Advisors is all about and what my role is as the national director in Canada for Kingdom Advisors is to help Christian financial professionals do exactly that. Uh, and, and many times the biblical principles seem to be hidden and it's, it's like a treasure that's buried right. and we really need to uncover them and uh, the book that you referenced in Splitting Heirs is, is written by our founding director, Ron Blue and he shares some powerful principles in that and uh, one of the first things that he does is, is he brings out the reality of what it is for all of us in life is that first of all, we will die we will take nothing with us and we'll probably also die at a time that we don't anticipate. I mean, no one knows the end, correct? And when it comes. Um, the other point is someone else will get my stuff, and I can only decide before I die who gets my stuff after I die. So, you know, that that journey of, of getting there is is obviously a challenging one, but one that Financial professionals like yourself need to address with uh, with their clients. That's for sure.
1: Correct. It's it's funny. Um, I think a few months ago, my wife and I revisited our wills, and we're talking about okay, how are we going to um, if anything happens to the both of us, who's going to be the legal guardian, and even with that, who will? Um, how do they pass on? The, how do we pass on whatever we have left to them? And my kids are still very young right now. And so for me, its I don't know if they're going to be financially responsible. I don't even even know if they're going to come to faith in Christ. I hope they do. Um, We're already praying for them. But it was one of those things that had me thinking is, okay, how do I do this in a way that uh, I don't know where they're going to be or who they're going to be 20 years from now or whenever that happens. And how can I make sure that I do this in a way that, it um, doesn't ruin their lives, and this this conversation one it's it's relevant across all ages. One, I mean, primarily for those who have adult children already and who are thinking of these things, and how do you pass on your wealth? But even even that for those of us who have young kids, it's it's a good conversation to have because it allows us to begin to think critically about these things and not just. Um, Push it under the rug, but begin to think about it. Is how can I do this? And we're gonna go through a bunch of things here. Is like um, the process. How do you decide these things? And but but I believe it's a conversation that is relevant across the board. What do you think, Lauren?
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and it's interesting. Uh, you know, it's it's important, I guess, to look at the wealth transfer focus uh, because there is a, a different focus really depending on your age and. Uh, you know, in your 30s and 40s, the focus is more on raising children, but also trying to teach them how to handle uh, wealth wisely. And and wealth, obviously, is, is going to be different depending on the age. And uh, But as your children grow older, you know, you tend to pass on a little bit more to them. And we, we typically have done that in the way, you know, with small children, of uh, giving them an allowance or or even paying them for work that they do teaching them to be responsible. And in 40s and 50s, uh, as children leave home a little bit, and this is kind of my experience because I have three children and they're all grown and gone and have been for a number of years, so the perspective tends to change a little bit as you age. And so as children leave, we need to seek to foster responsibility as uh, in them as they gain financial freedom. And I'm still, from time to time now, even though my, my children are away from me, uh, they still come back to me for financial counsel and advice. What should I do in this area? So helping them to be responsible uh, in that area is key. And then in the 50s and 60s, it's, there's more of, a, of an opportunity as you, know, as you age to observe their handling and responsibility because then they're at the stage where they're making their own money a lot more uh, and, you know, making choices and and also a decision about what level of support that we are going to provide for them. You know, should we help them purchase a home? Uh, you know, purchase a car, all of these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. That tends to come into play in the in our 50s and 60s. And then in the 60s and 70s, that age group, it's more uh, spend cons- uh, consecrated time or concentrated time thinking about the distribution of wealth. Right. So, so you're right in what you say. There is a varying spread of what you will be thinking about depending on your age, but the whole wealth transfer concept is certainly an important one. That's for sure.
1: Right, and. We like to start from the beginning, from the standpoint that the the traditional way to look at estate planning is um, you start with the tools and the techniques and the hows and, okay, what do I need to do? Um, how do I avoid taxes? But we would like to start, we would like to flip that on its head and say, you know what, we need to look at it, not just from what we need to do, how we need to do it, But why we need to do it? Uh, Can we talk about that, the process, and some of the challenges that? uh, Yeah,
0: absolutely. And and uh, Ron walks through in the book several steps. Uh, First of all, it's the transfer decision uh, as to uh, where it will go, and the treatment decision. um, That's that's more the how much. Then decision number three is the timing. Decision number, and that's so obviously that's the when. Decision number four is the title. Decision number five is the tools and the techniques. So that's how you do it. And as you mentioned, that's typically where most people start. That's the starting point for most people. But, you know, if you skip the transfer process, the treatment, the timing, and the title, then we've just jumped to number five immediately. And and typically that's where most financial professionals actually start as well, because you're talking about the will and drafting a will, avoiding tax, all of these sorts of things. And then the last step is the the task decision. So it's interesting. You know, we very quickly will talk about estate planning, but he brings out something very interesting in the book that there's a significant difference and focus in wealth transfer versus estate planning. And I just wanted to highlight a few of those because wealth transfer actually considers the impact on the recipients, so those who are going to be receiving the money, whereas typical estate planning, it's focused more on the person who has the estate and is the donor, so he's he's actually giving. So the focus is a little different. Um, when these plans come into place is also different, so with wealth transfer, the idea is to implement plans that can and probably should begin now, right. as opposed to estate planning, it, it, it more focuses on the beginning point is at death. Yes, you do some pre-planning, but really it doesn't kick into place until death, so I mean, that's a completely different focus. And, and when it comes to who's involved, wealth transfer involves the family input now and professional advisors later. Whereas the estate planning approach is more bring the financial professional in or, you know, the professional advisors now. And family typically, I mean, we've all heard the, the, the stories of the family being gathered. It's typically to read the will. So it's after the person has passed away. But wealth transfer is including and involving the family much earlier in the game because I I heard one person say there's going to be a family meeting. (laughs) The question is, are you going to be in attendance or not?
1: Or is it going to be when you're gone, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the focus on estate planning tends to be it really kicks into place, like the whole what you've planned out. If you've planned, it kicks in when you die.
1: And, and just to and, add to just to add to that, before yeah. you even go further, is the impact that having that meeting now, uh, as opposed to later, can have on your family members because uh, it, it does a lot to the heart of those who are receiving whatever you 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 are putting away for them to to know ahead of time. Or it, even, it even influences them in challenging some of their thoughts and their minds when they know about these things now rather than later. And I've seen, I mean, we've all seen in the news of um, siblings and families challenging the will in court um, because there's a lot of surprises, there's a lot of shock. And mm-hmm. I don't believe that is something that as believers should... Um, should be common amongst us if we do this if we do things the right way which is as uh, as Lauren alluded to is doing this having this meeting before you pass rather than after because there's going to be a meeting either way you look at it
0: yeah and and shell the other thing to you know to keep in mind is that this is not just one meeting it should not be one meeting I I um, I've heard a few people comment and say that you know, it's why not have an annual meeting with your family, have a discussion around this stuff? Because I mean, one of the other uh, differences in wealth transfer, wealth transfer actually makes stewardship decisions, whereas estate planning is focused more on tax efficient decisions. Mm -hmm. And so the family meeting, I think is important in the sense that that's where you get to have the discussion about stewardship and talk to your children, um, you know, especially in the case, obviously, of adult children, of how, how are we going to make these decisions? Because the starting point, and I've heard some of your, your previous podcasts, the starting point of all of this is that God owns it all, and that we are just the stewards, and we are, so we are just managing what God has actually given to us. So to make a decision just because it's tax efficient, that's not the primary point. The primary point is we are given these assets, uh, these, these finances to be stewards of or over and manage them. So part of this family meeting is really preparing your heirs if they are to receive from you a piece of your estate well, it's, it's, it's actually having a conversation about how are they going to steward what you are passing on to them. Correct. And c- some of the other differences is, you know, in, in wealth transfer, the whole idea and goal is to bring honor to God, whereas estate planning is more about bringing honor to yourself. Mm. Look what I've done, look what I've accomplished, and look what I'm able to accomplish now with my estate Going here, in some cases, it's you know even getting your your name on a building or a plaque somewhere uh, because you've given money through your estate. So, and not that that's a bad thing, but the primary goal of what God has given to us is really to bring honor to God. And the last difference that He brings out is is really the control issue, estate planning retains control for as long as possible of the assets. And in some cases, some cases it's even beyond the grave because people, uh, you know, will establish a trust with limits and uh, different things that they can, uh, so they can kind of control their wealth from the grave. Whereas wealth transfer is really about transferring that ownership to the next steward. And so again, the important thing is to be guided by principles and, uh, and it's interesting that Warren Buffett, who, I'm not sure he is a Christian, but he says about principles, if they change,
1: then they're not actually principles.
0: they you know principles, yeah, I
1: remember hearing that.
0: Yeah, which is, you know, which is interesting, and our goal is to be guided by biblical principles. So as I said, you know, sometimes it's, it's digging them out, But many times financial advisors are having conversations with clients and it's more focused on things that change. And, you know, like market conditions, like inflation, interest rates, Mm -hmm. uh, a prediction of where gold prices or stock prices are going to go. And all of those things are really, you know, Ron Blue talks about they're really just noise. And we shouldn't base important decisions like guessing which way interest rates are going to go in the next month or the next year. We shouldn't base what we're doing in our stewardship planning on that, but rather on biblical principles. That's what we need to be guided by. Correct. So we get into, you know, the transfer decision, and uh, in regards to wealth transfer to adult children, uh, James Dobson's personal perspective was that money can actually do more harm than good for children's motivation, faith, and ability to learn life lessons. And Ron actually, in the book, he, he, he kind of told this story, and he said, I can see very little good happening to children or to, fam- to the family stewardship by transferring wealth to adult children. Because it's, it's interesting, you know, we really have three choices when it comes to our estate as to what we will do. And it's either it goes to your heirs, it goes to charity, or it goes to the government by taxes. And sometimes that one actually happens by default. But the other interesting thing that I see being brought out is the process of wealth transfer is essentially a spiritual exercise. So it's not merely a financial or legal matter, so when you, you know, jump to the tools and techniques stage of the decision-making process, then really, in essence, we've skipped over the spiritual exercise of, of finances. And I think that's the key point because the transfer decision is a whole lot about the spiritual aspect of finances and us really being a steward over our finances
1: that's 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 really important i I was thinking the other day of the number of families I speak with uh, a family I was speaking with and they they actually just asked me okay um, do I know a lawyer who does a, who does a will and I said um, yeah we do and they wanted to have a conversation with them but what I had to do was Ask some questions which even though they were difficult um, at the end of a conversation they felt really blessed that I was able to ask them those conversations ask them those questions because it's not just enough to do well and to put in all those tools is going through this process which we're going to get into in a few minutes um, going through this process helps um, eliminates eliminates friction and challenges that may come that may come on down the road, um, helping your children and grandchildren, but not harming them. Managing the expectations of your children and your spouse. Um, how to deal with sons-in-laws and daughters-in-laws and stepchildren and grandchildren. How to provide for your spouse um, after you're gone. How to provide for God's kingdom after you're gone? Deciding what charities and uh-huh. ministries uh, you want to support, avoiding family conflict and sibling jealousy—these are all decisions that need to be thought out before jumping into the tools. How, how, how does your family deal with the reality of your wealth? How do you bring up this difficult subject? Um, on on what to do with that wealth. Um, having this difficult conversation with your spouse, when you look at your kids and say, okay, the, the traditional way is to say, I have three children. I'm going to leave, well, we're going to leave all our wealth. We're just going to split it in three ways to all the children. But what if only two are responsible? What if only one is responsible? Are you honoring God by just splitting it in three ways when you know, Possibly one of those kids will take that money and be very irresponsible with it. It's a difficult conversation to have, but it's an important conversation nonetheless. And it's important and if you're married is to for you and your spouse to, to think through these things and have these conversations. Um, because at the end of the day, you want to be able to finish strong. Those tools Sh- those tools will come later but these conversations are conversations you need to have first.
0: Exactly. And and the transfer decision that we're talking about here is the first and most important decision in the wealth transfer process and it really drives the other decisions that, that come about. So you, you're right, you need to have those conversations in advance of saying, okay, yeah, I need to get my will done and I don't want to belittle obviously getting a will done because it's it's extremely important to do that but you need to talk about the transfer the treatment the timing and the title all of this stuff needs to come into play and and you're right in typically if you have three children uh it's it's easy to say okay let's let's divide our assets three ways Uh, but we need to look at okay when you do that for every dollar that you allocate to your heirs, typically there's another dollar that goes in taxes. So almost immediately you're splitting your, your estate and including the government in doing that through taxation. <laughs> okay. and, and most people actually are choosing the government as a steward of their money, but they're doing it unintentionally. But that's really what happens if there's no planning that takes place, uh, the taxes that could have been avoided now become inevitable because they haven't planned. And so that's why the the gift to charity actually becomes extremely important and, and an important part of the discussion, even, even with children, to say, you know, the wealth that we have. So, for example, typically if someone has... Uh, you know, a significant amount of dollars in registered funds like an RRSP or, or even a Lira pension plan, then typically 50% of that, if it goes to your children, is going to go to tax unless there's some planning. Mm-hmm. So the RRSP in particular is, is one significant area where, you know, we need to be talking to a financial professional like yourself to say, what should we do? Should I just transfer this to my children or is there a better option? And what you mentioned, Shell, about, you know, funding the kingdom and funding a, a missions project. Uh, I mean, that's extremely valuable and important and yields significant dividends even beyond our lifetime that we typically don't think about because the typical response uh, when, when you go to see a lawyer to have a will is, how many children do you have? How would you like to divide the assets? And the typical response is, three children, three ways. Four children, four ways. Mm-hmm. But we are, we are in, in many respects, uh, robbing charity and, and robbing God in many respects, uh, because he has given this money to us not just to pass on, and if we understand that God owns it all, then we need to be asking ourselves the question, well, Lord, what would you have me do with what you have given to me? Because we need to understand, because it's easy to say God owns it all. It's a little more challenging to actually live that out, especially when it comes to, because we we obviously love our children. We want to benefit them. We want to give them. Uh, good things, but we need to be we need to be guided by principles in that. And the first principle I want to talk about is the treasure principle. And basically if you look at what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19 to 21, in essence what Jesus is saying is you can't take your money with you. So don't store it up on this earth, but store up treasure in heaven. In other words, you can send Money on ahead, or you can send treasure. I, I don't want to say money because Jesus treasure. said you can send treasure on ahead, right? But we can store up treasure through what we do with our money here on this earth. And I think Jesus was saying, he, He's not against us making investments, but He's saying, make your investments in the right place. Make your investments in a place that's actually going to have an eternal impact. So that's a treasure principle that we really needed need to be guided by. And I'll tell the story really quick because he uh, he mentions it in the book, how a, a wealthy gentleman wanted to take some treasure into heaven and uh, from the earth. And, of course, he he was allowed to take one suitcase, is how the story goes. This is all hypothetical, obviously. <laughs> and... Uh, so he, he walks into heaven with his suitcase full of gold and basically he's greeted there and uh, like any good place that you enter, you got to go through security and his luggage is checked. And when he checks his luggage, the question is asked, why are you bringing pavement into heaven? <laughs> 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 Which I thought was, you know, an, an interesting what? You brought pavement? But it just goes to show the difference in perspective, perspective as to what we value here on this earth and what we value in heaven. You know, what's valuable in heaven. And, you know, the the treasure is different. So we, we need to be conscious of that principle that Jesus laid out for us. So as believers, we are leaving something behind that has no value in heaven in, 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 in a large respect. And we're moving towards something that has eternal value. So, you know, I I think having that perspective and and being made aware of that perspective is certainly an important one. Um, The second principle to be guided by is the unity principle. And your spouse completes you and doesn't compete with you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important piece. And Ron says that he can make better decisions together then either he or his wife can make a part. And I can testify to that as well. Oh, yes. In my own marriage oh, now yes. for more than 31 years, we make better decisions together. So it, it's a matter of being together, and, and we talked about this a little bit already as well, is, you know having that conversation, but certainly including your spouse. Uh, and the principle comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 to 12, where it really talks about two being better, better than, than one. one. Yeah, and if one falls, you know, the other can help the person up, that sort of thing. And and I think that's, you know, certainly the value of marriage, uh, where, you know, my wife brings a different perspective. We've actually had personality tests done. It's funny, because first when we got married, I thought we were so much alike. We're so and different. the longer we've been married, the more I realize we are not alike. And having personality tests done... We've determined we're pretty close to completely opposite. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my wife is the exact well, opposite of me as well. It's it's so uncanny, but at the same time, she she's we, we have our I have my strengths, she has her strengths, um, but mm-hmm. we complement each other, and I think that's important um, point to see that your spouse may differ from you in terms of her viewpoints, but it does not mean that those viewpoints are not valid.
0: Exactly, exactly, and and they are meant to actually add value in your relationship, and certainly in the wealth transfer process. Uh, typically, what I found, and I don't know if you found this as well or not, but what I found is that one spouse tends to be more interested in the financial area than the other. Typically, but the reality is, both need to be engaged in this uh, because you know, we are talking about, and the next principle is the wisdom principle. What we're talking about is really passing on wisdom before we pass wealth, because wisdom can create wealth, but wealth typically normally doesn't create wisdom. So, you know, the worst thing that we can do is pass wealth if we haven't already passed wisdom onto our children and i found that my wife is very good at that and very good at helping me do that as well and giving me some direction as to even how to communicate to our children because our children of course are each of them are, are very very different and i have one child that's very much like me and we we seem to clash a whole lot <laughs> <laughs> So, so the wisdom from my wife is very helpful uh, in that area, but we really need to do that. And Proverbs twenty twenty one is an interesting uh, verse of Scripture. It says, Inheritance quickly gained at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. So it's, it's really telling us that, you know, just to give wealth to our children— without some instruction and passing on wisdom beforehand, not a good idea. Mm-hmm. And if you if you look at it in Bible times, inheritance was typically passed down while the father was still living.
1: That's and right. the reason
0: for that is the father was able to oversee the son's stewardship.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And typically, it, uh, and I don't necessarily, uh, obviously that's a different time uh, because typically at, in Bible times the inheritance was passed to the son, and the son was responsible uh, for the family. The rest of the family. Yeah, and the and the eldest son typically received a double portion. So there's a whole lot in that we that we haven't got time to unpack, obviously uh, in in this short time. But it, it talks about as well. I'm jumping ahead a little bit about how your children are unique and we need to love them equally but treat, but treat them, them uniquely. Differently. Yes. yes. Any, treat them uniquely. Yeah.
1: And, and even to add to that is when it comes to passing this wisdom to our children, we need to get uh, begin to change our mindset because often we look at um, our role as parents is, you know what, I'm just gonna provide for you. All you have to do is focus on school and getting good grades. And being a good kid. but I think it should go beyond that. We need to, I, I never learned about my, about money when I was a kid. I mean, not because um, my dad didn't want to teach me, but he didn't I, I don't think he really knew that much better in terms of um, some of the things that we now know in terms of how do you begin to teach kids. Um, how to use money, I mean, either through chores or through rewards or through different ways. It, it's one of those topics that hopefully we'll tackle on another podcast. But begin to teach your children uh, how to manage well. Begin to pass on this wisdom to them before you pass on the wealth. It's very important. Now, if if your kids are all grown, I mean, that's a different story. But if your kids are still uh, still dependent on you then I think it's important that you begin to pass on this wisdom and even if your kids are grown, I believe that we can still have an impact into some of the decisions to make don't wouldn't you say that Lauren
0: oh absolutely absolutely and and just the guidance uh you know even around debt and you know making decisions like should I lease a car should I buy a new car should I buy used you know, I, I think all of these are areas where we have had, you know, as, as uh, parents who've bought several cars, you know, someone who's, who's a little older and had experience, then we need to search for biblical truth around that and help guide our children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in leasing a car, you just think about, you know, how, what value do you have at the end of the lease? And, you know, can you get to a point where you can actually pay for your car outright and and own it so you don't actually have a payment, you know, and and my my oldest child is now in that position and I'm so thankful because it frees them up to do other things and there's less of a burden, there's less of a monthly commitment because they were actually able to accumulate money so that they could buy a decent car and own it outright with no payment and and i think that's simply because wisdom is being passed down from one generation to the next and that's very valuable
1: really really can you talk a little bit uh we're going to take a short break but before we do that um the three the three as three s's we need to think about, or three things we need to talk, think about when we're passing on wealth. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, Ron discussed this in the book.
0: So it's, it's uh, I guess the three questions to ask is in transferring wealth. I assume that's what you're referring to.
1: That's what I'm referring um, to. Three questions we need to ask. Uh, when yeah. And to transfer decision.
0: First question is what is the worst thing that can happen if I transfer my wealth to and put the name of your child in there? So, you know, you think about where your child is in life. What's the worst thing that can happen? And, and even switch it around and make that a, a, a positive as well. What's the best thing that can happen if I transfer wealth to? And then how serious is that? And then the third question is, how likely is that to occur? And that's, you know, when you when you think about that, It is very challenging because, you know, going back to what you raised earlier, uh, Shell, is about, you know, a person's value system and where they're spending the money. Well, in some cases, the worst thing that could happen is that they could blow this money kind of like the prodigal son did. That could be the worst thing that could happen. And how would you feel about that? God giving you the resources, you passing it down to your to your child with the realization, the reality that how likely is this going to happen, that they are just going to blow this money? Mm-hmm. And that's a challenging question to ask, you know, for you as an advisor to ask a parent who's sitting in your office to say, what's the likelihood, what are your children going to do with this money? What's the best thing that can happen? and what's the worst thing that can happen with that. And And it's a difficult,
1: sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah, it's just a very sobering question to ask. And I did have one advisor who told me a story about he really felt prompted to ask that question. And then he also felt prompted just to wait in silence for them to consider it. And he waited, he said what seemed like five minutes, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was only a moment but he saw mom and dad kind of look at each other and in this case there were two children and the mom started to cry because the realization hit her that one of the sons um, would just likely blow this money on prostitution hmm. so, so the reality and the sense was I think I'm making a poor decision if I just transfer my wealth to my son who's going to do that, who's going to squander it because it's really, this is God's resource that he's given to me. It's not actually mine, but he calls on me to make this important decision about finances. So it's it's definitely a challenging one and a sobering one.
1: It's 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 a tough question for any parent to... Who- um, go through, especially when you have or if you have children who are um, who don't follow God and they have a different value mm-hmm. system. But even beyond that, who um, are not responsible for money, um, who are either living a fast life, partying or things that you would, you know, are destructive um, at the very least. Uh, it, it's It's a hard question to think about what would my wealth do to my child? If I do this, and that's why haven't thinking about this before you make the decision of who you transfer to. And then the family meeting we talked about in the um, earlier on, this is where this even comes in, that this may be uh, thinking through this may be an opportunity for you as a parent to begin to um, challenge your children to here's what I'm thinking about and here's why I'm thinking about it. And maybe, just maybe God would use that to begin to help them rethink their lifestyle choices.
0: yeah, and and the other thing you know to think about is is uh, an inheritance in Bible times was a necessary thing. And in many cases, an inheritance today is is more of a windfall for the children. Because in a lot of cases, the children are doing as well, if not better, than the parents financially. And in a lot of cases, they don't actually need the inheritance. So, you know, that's that's another consideration. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to read a, just a small piece of Ron's book uh, about a case where he was looking at and asking this question. Uh, what is the worst thing that can happen if you transfer wealth to your grandchildren? In this case, it was. And this gentleman replied, God's resources would be wasted. That was his opinion in looking at the lifestyle of his grandchildren. Then he said, I followed up, how serious is that? After reflecting for a minute, he answered, that's very serious. Okay, I I continued. So, you say it's a very serious matter that God's resources would be wasted. How likely is that to occur? So there are the three questions that he's asking. Without a moment's hesitation, he said, knowing them, 100%. Wow. So then he takes it a step further. I then asked the same questions from the positive and negative perspective of transferring his wealth to a missions organization. Considering and answering these questions help this gentleman crystallize his thinking, remove false guilt, and feel confident about his plans to fund the missionary work. So then he asked this, Ron asked this question in in the book. He says, such a plan takes courage. Do you have the courage to not leave all your assets to your children or your grandchildren? Because that's, as we said earlier, that's typically the response when you, when you look at estate planning. We're just going to transfer all of these assets to our children. So it really takes courage to swim upstream and have this discussion, even with your children, to say, you know, I don't necessarily feel I am being a good steward if I just give all this money to you. Maybe the better thing is that I actually give more of it to charity, which also saves in tax on my estate when I eventually pass. So, But it's a challenging discussion, and it takes a lot of courage to have that discussion. But I think that's something that we are actually called upon to do because God has entrusted these resources to us and is asking, what will we do? with those resources
1: and on that note it it is it is very sobering. on on that note we are going to end this episode um you can catch the rest of this conversation on our next episode but i think in the meantime this uh there's a question that i hope um challenges you uh these are things that i hope that um you think about, discuss with your spouse and begin to ask, what will God have you do? Whether you have young kids or grown kids or grandkids, these are questions that are relevant to us all. And thank you very much for tuning in today. We, re- we definitely appreciate it. Sending your comments, your feedback. You can find us. You can find this podcast at sacapital.ca slash podcasts. And you can leave a rating, leave a review on any app that you listen to it and well we would love your feedback thank you very much thank you so much for listening to the dollar savvy podcast you can find us at sacapital.ca slash podcast and you can reach us at one 365 8883 Extension 377 or send us an email at podcast at scapital.ca. You've been listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. I'm your host, Show me. Thank you.
0: Madden and Mitchell Media.